Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. This episode is a special one brought to you in partnership with Vitality, with a focus on their latest report developed with the RSA called Healthy Hybrid, a blueprint for business. Vitality is a leading UK health and life insurance and investment business. Their Vitality programme helps people to live healthy lives through positive behavioural nudges, which not only leads to improved health and tangible benefits for people, but it has a positive impact on business and society on the whole. This report explores the current reality we're facing and the challenges of a healthy hybrid working setup with a focus on employee health and well-being. I've wanted to do an episode all about what a good workplace will look like post-COVID, how things are changing, and specifically a discussion on hybrid working, which I know a lot of people have been talking about. And I've got the perfect guest for you today to dig into this topic. For this episode, I'm talking to Maggie Alfonsi, MBE, Director of Vitality Champions Programme, also a former Rugby World Cup champion and inspirational speaker. She plays a key role on Vitality's workplace wellness team with qualifications in areas such as physiotherapy, personal training, positive psychology and nutrition. I'll also be talking to Nick Reed, who oversees the Vitality programme. He was part of the original team that set up Vitality. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him about some of the findings about the future of our modern workplace. A topic I'm always keen to explore on this podcast. So I really enjoyed this conversation with both of them. And I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Maggie. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi Emma, thank you for having me on. I'm really pleased. I've wanted to interview you for ages, so I'm very glad this has come around. Today we're talking about hybrid working, the future of the workplace post-COVID, and about well-being really, which I feel like is is really crucial at the moment. We've all been through so much. It's almost like we're coming up for air. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start off by asking you, you know, you've been through so much in your career. You've been so much in your personal life recently with having a baby and What's this year been like for you and what sort of personal challenges have you overcome? Yeah, good question. I mean, look, for everyone, it's been a it's been a difficult um, way of balancing, I guess, life. And actually, I've managed to navigate it. I like to think fairly well. Um, as you've already highlighted, I've, I've give, I gave birth to a little boy. Um, he's now seven months years old, going on to 13. Um, and I have to say, it's been it's been a real it's been a real challenge in the sense that I've struggled mainly with the whole um, having a routine, having a plan. And I know for a lot of people, especially mothers, um, you know, our blueprint has already highlighted the fact that there's been a real disparity between um, working mums in particular, the challenge of having to do more of the childcare duties uh, and, and the impact that's had on their mental wellbeing. Um, and just general health. And, and I think I've, I've experienced that. Um, I think I've just had to just try and get on with it. That's what's been the, the way I've, I guess I've probably worked. But actually, I think the way I have coped this year has been trying to make sure that I'm really aware of, of, of how I'm feeling. Um, you know, making sure that I, I really do have a balance to my day, make sure I have a routine, make sure I lean on people where I can um, to, to help. Because then that's the biggest bit, hasn't it? You know, trying to be honest with the fact that sometimes you need help and I have struggled with that at times but I've become more aware of that as I've as I've got through this period yeah the year's been a difficult one but at the same time I've, I've had some real positives as well like it's have been able to work from home has allowed me to have that ability to do my childcare, but then also to still 
keep my mind busy and, and, and active and stimulated as well. Um, so there's been positives and negatives, but at the same time, I think I've found my way now. And I think I've definitely got a, a good structure to my life. And I think many people have now. Totally. And it feels like something that's come up a lot when talking to my friends, especially my friends with kids, is this overwhelming feeling of you need to be in two places at once. or And it feels like that self-compassion is so important because we're, we're only one person doing a thing. Emma, the biggest thing that I've I found from having a child and then uh, trying to balance work has been the word guilt. <laughs> you know, I think everyone keeps saying, it, you know, I just feel guilty all the time. You feel guilty that you shouldn't be working. You feel guilty that you should be spending more time with a child. And I think that has been really hard during this experience of being in a pandemic, finding a balance between you and your and your child. And I think, again, you have to learn that guilt is part of the process, I guess. But at the same time, you've just got to do what you've got to do, really. From a work context then, because you're doing so much and you're, you know, are you, would you say you're kind of like a multi-hyphenate person who does multiple things? I mean, that's a word I use, but some people don't use it. I love that word. Um, I actually generally say that I am a, um, I've got my fingers in different pies. I think, you know, people, you very much have a flexible style of working and you work in different sort of jobs, different capacities, but um, you're not one thing. And I, I quite like that. I, it's, it works for me anyway. And what led you to working with Vitality then? Because your your role there is really interesting. Would you be able to tell us a bit about it? Absolutely. So um, I work as a, I'm basically at Vitality. I'm a director of the Vitality Champions. So the Vitality Champions program is a workplace program where we focus on engagement. And it's about trying to ensure that we use and we support our clients with regards to their health and well-being. Um, and we utilise performance champions which are basically former athletes who work with our clients to go into their workplace environment and help support them to become more motivated and inspired to want to look after their health um so that could be physical or mental so we do a lot of work around just supporting our clients it's really interesting though where our motivation comes from because i think we're all motivated differently aren't we but on the whole it feels like we need to be part of something there's such this culture of working for yourself being your own boss I don't need anyone but actually we really really do and I really get that from Vitality that this is a group of people who welcome people in. Most definitely I think the best thing about um, working for Vitality but also you know being part of it generally um, I see it as that we're part of this journey that you're going on you know especially when I work with my performance champions, I emphasize the fact that, you know, when you're working with your clients, you're you're going on this journey with them. You're helping them um, discover and understand their health and well-being. You're helping them find direction and ways that works for them. And it's very much individualizing things for them. So it's practical and it's realistic. It's not a one size that fits all. We have to very much think about the person and what works for them in terms of their their work environment but also their own personal life and yeah what I love about Vitality is very much they go on this journey with you which is what definitely brought me to the company. Yeah I can definitely see the link between the sports world and what you're doing there because it sounds like it's about teamwork and going on that journey from start to finish and helping people along the way. And, and that's the thing about uh, being part of a team. You want to help people achieve their success like once you know what their goal is you, you like to think how can I support them achieve that I'm really into that. I mean, I always say there's nothing better really to spend your money on, like spend it on yourself, invest in yourself, and then it's going to a good place because it's going into your happiness and well-being. But if we talk about the the year we've been through, this work has never been more relevant, sadly, but also thank God it's there. 
And what was really interesting in the report was all the data around our physical and mental health has obviously been affected. But the specific concerns around like the cramped workspaces some people have been in, I know I'm definitely slouching at my desk right now. I assumed everyone was sort of going for more runs and getting outside, but I think that came in waves. I mean, could you talk a bit more about it from the report standpoint, how this has affected us in a physical way? Yes, absolutely. So uh, from the report, it definitely highlighted the fact that with us obviously working from home, there's been more musculoskeletal um, issues and concerns. So, you know, neck, back problems, like you've already highlighted, people don't have um, functional workspaces, unfortunately. You know, it it obviously got brought on us very quickly. So people have pop-up workstations where they've got a desk, they've got a chair that's not necessarily functional for them sitting in an appropriate position for a long period of time. Um, and we've also seen from the report that more people have been um, self-medicating. So using painkillers to help resolve neck or back problems, which is obviously not ideal. Um, and, and I think naturally so during the pandemic, you did see people go out and exercise more, but also the, the flip side of it is that you're getting people sitting in situations, sitting in positions that's not ideal for long periods of time and also be on the computer for long periods of time as well. So hearing these stats and and seeing from the report, it is really worrying. But this is why it's really important as we go forward now, and we're talking about a hybrid style of working, is that we ensure that employees have the right setup in their home environment, that there is a real focus on the chairs, the the equipment that they're using, the time they're spending at the computer as well, um, ensuring that there is periods of downtime and there's a real balance to their day. Yeah, because it could be quite overwhelming for people if their whole routine is changing even if it's in a positive way and for the better it's it's still like a whole day that you kind of have to design yourself what's really interesting as well is is how i think people have felt like time is running out even though we've probably got more time we've been more productive when people say take more breaks i know a lot of people who are like i don't have time for breaks even though it helps you be productive and happier what can we do with small windows of time, like a lunch break or even like a 10 minutes in an afternoon from your perspective as someone who can help us in this area? It's about maximising those small windows, use the space and the time that they've got, utilise apps like Headspace, just reflecting on your, your day. But then also make sure you preserve at least an hour in a day to go for a walk. If you've got a dog, take the dog for a walk, um, go for a run. Just basically go out and do things that takes you away from your work, that allows you to have that time out, which we all need. Totally. Sometimes I'm tempted when I go on a walk to maybe dial into a Zoom and do a work call when I'm on the walk. Do you think we should separate it and actually have a proper break? I think the biggest thing that people tend to do is when they do have that 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 one hour space themselves where they go for walks, they do have a tendency of, like you said, doing Zoom calls or doing other meetings or making work phone calls. I, I would encourage people just to not do that during that one hour. It's like if I would say, if you're like if you're going to the gym and you're gonna have a one hour session. Ideally, you wouldn't check your emails. Ideally, you wouldn't make a work call. You just basically use that time to exercise. And then when you come out of it, you feel great for it. And that's what I would say with that one hour or, or you know, short 15 minute break that you've got. Don't use it to work. And I know it's, it's easier said than done. I totally get that. But it's really important to preserve that time for yourself. And that is part of your health and well-being, isn't it, really? So true. So true. I needed that reminder. I don't do it all the time, but sometimes I'm tempted to. And then I just think... This is not the point. Take a break. Um, (laughs) The other thing in the report that was really interesting to me was, and I sort of knew this, but I didn't realise the extent of it, is how much stress impacts us and our physical health. And there was 
stuff in the report around obviously how some people have higher amounts of stress than others. We're not all equal in this pandemic, unfortunately, and some people have much more stuff going on in their lives than others. But how do we ask our employers to take this more seriously, the the actual impact of stress? Because I feel like people brag about how busy they are sometimes, but actually stress is is really damaging us. It's really important that employers very much open with employees and talking to them about, you know, what's going on currently in their in their current work life, ensuring that people's health is very much customised to their current needs. What have you noticed in your work and working with people? How how does stress manifest in our bodies? Is there anything that we can be aware of when we think, OK, that's happening, time to take this more seriously? I can I talk about from my experience when I've realized stress and anxiety has really started to manifest you feel yourself becoming well a little bit you know so for me when I'm getting really stressed I, I find that I don't do the things that I would normally do so I don't necessarily eat well um you know I, I'm, I might skip breakfast I don't have a little bit for lunch and then maybe dinner small amounts of food so I don't I don't fit and stick to my normal eating habits. Um, I also find when I get stressed, the first thing I start to knock off is my training and exercising. And actually that's the worst thing you should do. You know, so I start to focus more on doing more work to alleviate the stress when actually sometimes doing more work actually adds more stress. That's what I've seen in myself. And I, I think it's the same with everyone. You know, when things become quite difficult, we start to move away from our, what is a healthy routine and we move into an unhealthy routine um so i would encourage people to st- just to be aware of themselves and i think the pandemic has, has almost helped us do that we're starting to know who we actually are and actually when things are going really well i know that that's because i'm exercising regularly i'm making sure i'm preserving that one hour of my day to, to really get exercise in that could be going out for a walk or going to the, to the gym um you know also i make sure i when things are going well, I'm speaking to lots of people. I'm socialising via phone or you know, obviously now we can meet up with some people as well. So I'm making sure that I'm keeping in contact with my social network. And you find when people become stressed and anxious, they, they start to talk less. They start to communicate less to, to their loved ones and also friends. So make sure that you keep that routine of, of engaging with others. And, um, and the other thing yeah, around your eating habits, I think that's a huge bit when people get stressed and anxious and there's, there's it almost feels like they're overwhelmed, they start to change their eating habits and, and don't eat so well and, and or don't eat regularly. You know, that's that's the worst bit about it. So I, again, encourage people to be aware of that. Make sure you get your breakfast and your lunch and your, and your, and your dinner and make sure you have your healthy snacks as well in between. Because that, that, you know, that what you eat also fuels your mind and actually makes you feel energised and, and, and ready to go. So useful. Thank you. I definitely see myself in that as well, because I've definitely done that loop where I'm stressed. So I work more and then you're just going into more of a spiral when actually it's all about stepping away, going back to your routine. Totally. Thank you so much for that. That was really great. And um, the report was really interesting. And yeah, it's just great to chat to you. Where can people listening find more from you if they want to follow what you're up to? Well, they can definitely follow me on Twitter. So I'm, I'm very much all over Twitter, uh, not necessarily all over Instagram. But yeah, if you want to follow me, just go on to um, at Maggie Alfonsi, my, my Twitter handle to see me there. Um, but I also obviously work with Vitality. So you, you generally see me over there, social media as well. Amazing. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. So welcome, Nick, to Control-Alt-Delete. Really happy to have you here. Hi, Emma. Great to be here. 
So it's really interesting, this report that I talk about in the introduction for all the listeners. There's been so much speculation and assumption and just chats between friends about the future of the workplace. But it's really interesting to see the stats kind of written down and all the research. So I wanted to start off um, by something that jumped out, a stat that over 80% of workers want to continue working from home in some form in the future, and almost half want to have a hybrid setup. Were you surprised by this? And also, could you tell us what hybrid working means for those that don't know? Of course. I mean, there were some incredible stats that came out from the piece of research that we conducted with the RSA. And the one that you cited on 80% of workers wanting to continue working from home is an incredible one, isn't it? Um, I mean, I wasn't surprised that it was the majority, but I was perhaps surprised that it was so high. Um, I mean, speaking from my own experience, I've certainly welcomed and, and I think embraced not having to commute you know, the best part of two to three hours a day. And I'd argue that Whilst I, I miss the camaraderie associated with a physical office, there has certainly been some efficiency advantages of remote working. But um, it's not surprising to see that many workers want to continue to adopt a, a healthy hybrid approach to working. And, and actually, our study also showed that 55% of people working from home find it much easier to get more done. Um, but you know, also our study found that uh, people are working nearly three extra hours a week on average from home. Um, using 40% um, with the extra hour that they would typically spend commuting. And I think that this always-on style of working is not necessarily conducive to health and well-being, and, and it's certainly going to be harder to sustain in the long term. Um, and that's why we, we partnered with RSA to produce what we're calling a, a healthy hybrid blueprint for business. Um, and, you know, we the report and the blueprint showed a number of key lessons um, and to ask, ask your question around hybrid. Um, and there's a chapter in there that talks about a focus on physical, mental, productivity, and what we're calling rebalancing inequalities. And if I just touch on one of them, I think physical health is so interesting, particularly to us at Vitality, where we adopt this approach called shared value, which is essentially placing the, the member or the employee at the heart of our model to ensure that they can lead a healthy lifestyle, they get rewarded for a healthy lifestyle, because we'll know that we'll get the benefits from that um, as an insurer. Um, and then the triangulation of that value and shared value is, is society, you know, reduced absenteeism, improved productivity, reduced reliance on the on state healthcare, etc. And I think with physical health, uh, what we talk about is this thing called an ergonomic time bomb. Um, and I think COVID has really reinforced that and with our sedentary lifestyles over the recent period, there's now this ergonomic time bomb, which is a, a legacy of lockdown that could have been worse, I think, if employers had not done what they've done. Um, but achieving a healthy hybrid way of working will mean paying even closer attention to physical health in the future, I think. Yeah, I really want to talk to you about productivity in a moment as well, because that was a really interesting stat as mm -hmm. well. But I wondered for anyone listening, because it's going to be a huge change, actually, if, if a huge amount of people start working from home a bit more. And right now, some people might not be set up completely for that, even with like the tools and the Wi-Fi connection and even their workspace. But do you think there could be some out of sight, out of mind stuff for employers who maybe just let people crack on and they don't check in with pay rises and promotions as often? I think it's a really good point And it's absolutely a risk. But I think that one that can and must be mitigated. 
I think one of the, the key worries for hybrid working models is creating this two-tier workforce, which could end up disadvantaging those who do choose to work from home. And this also raises concern that certain, certain groups could be disproportionately disadvantaged when it comes to promotions, paying career, career progression. Um, and that is worrying for, for certain groups, um, particularly women, actually, in our study. Um, we'll come on to talk about some of the stats later with women. Um, and, you know, with, with women, what we found was that women are much more likely than men to report feeling anxious about returning to the office. And that is a problem. And we actually noted an observation on women um, after the second lockdown. Um, and we, we noted something called a gender play gap is that because of the role of the women in the household, um, they were much less physically active than men and given their increased role um, at home. Um, and then to back to, to home workers, ne nearly half of home workers are also worried about having a worse work-life balance when returning to the, to the office. And, and a quarter of those are worried about suffering a ne negative impact on their personal finances due to the extra expenditure of, of commuting. So I think it's important people don't miss out on opportunities to progress at work due to factors that might influence them to work from home more often. And I think leadership, which is something that also comes out of the blueprint, is, is a fundamental theme too, um, Emma. I think it's critical that, that leaders must keep a close eye on this and, and must monitor pay and progression data among their workforce carefully in the way they already do for other protect, protected groups. Um, and there needs to be robust policies to prevent digital disadvantage that must be communicated to line managers, like ensuring people who are working from home more often are regularly checked in and offered the same support, the same opportunities and chances to, to review their performance, like office-based staff. Um, and the company culture is, is fundamental just to, I think, um, ensure that companies support good, flexible working norms, um, like allowing for flexibility. Yes, definitely. It's interesting because I've been talking about working from home for years because I've been working from home for years and wanting to talk about freelancing and flexible working. And I guess one thing people seem to be worried about and definitely asking for advice on is how to not be lonely and how to build that community and carry on that work culture outside of the office. Because it's something that a lot of people who are like me, maybe self-employed, been doing it for a while, you create your own community your own way. And for me, it's things like Twitter and, you know, catching up with friends. But how does that how does that look for a mass majority? Spot on. I mean, you're not alone with those with those sentiments and those feelings. Like feelings of isolation and stress have been widely reported as negative well-being effects of, of working from home of the last 12 to, to 14 months. Um, especially relevant to new starters, unsurprisingly, I guess, when offices and workplaces are integral to picking up um, informal information about company culture and, and, co and connecting and that connectivity between colleagues. And, and obviously that is compromised um, by the, the modus operandi that we found ourselves in. But moving forwards, when we're working from home more, it's also going to be important, I think, to keep reintegrating existing employees into the company culture and creating support systems too. I mean, if I look at what we've done at, at Vitality and with our own employees, um, we've essentially split it into five pillars. So physical, mental, financial, lifestyle, and social um, as part of our employee wellbeing strategy. So within physical, we've done various things like we ran a step timber to ensure that all our staff were physically active, which is a key pillar of, of our vitality program. We've run HIIT classes online, yoga, Pilates, mindfulness sessions. Um, we've introduced one-to-one -one 
coaching sessions with our with our coaches. We've introduced introduced campaigns around musculoskeletal issues. Poor posture has been a real issue um, for musculoskeletal issues. Our survey found, and with with mental, um, you know, we've offered professional counselling, EAP service. We've introduced mental health champions. We've hosted webinars on domestic abuse. Um, we've hosted virtual parties for for parents, children. Wow, that sounds amazing. It's like you're really setting an example there. Yeah, I feel actually really proud that we've done the right thing um, for our employees by this time. And, and, and our own service would, would indicate that as well. And I think it does come back to the importance of this, this shared value methodology is that we're creating, we're creating value for, for our members, for our employees um, who are able to remain physically active, remain mentally active at home. We introduced, for example, a product called Vitality at Home which was a recalibration of our proposition to make it relevant to people who are working at home at the moment in terms of them being able to be physically active, being rewarded for being physically active, removing financial barriers. And we've seen the benefit of that. Our members have never been more engaged and and our retention rates do testify that during this period. Sounds like that, you know, just keeping in communication with people. It sounds so simple, but asking people what they actually want because uh, a question I had for you was, really what do people value in the workplace from all of this research you've done over the years because I feel like there's still a myth somewhere along the lines that people want free champagne and a ping pong table and bean bags and stuff and that's never been the case really I mean not for me <laughs> no no for sure I think our blueprint showed that what people really value in the workplace is the freedom and support uh, to manage their well-being and work-life balance um, after the pandemic. Um, and there were some really interesting findings and stats that came from the study and that just under 90% of employees said they wanted enhanced flexibility over where they work when thinking about their next career move. About 70% of office-based workers said they supported a shift in tracking outcomes. So not using hours worked, um, being formally recognised employee contracts, but actually using outcomes, which is a really interesting twist um, legally, perhaps for the future. And I think access to employee benefits, health insurance, well-being programs have really become important. And about 63% of our um, home workers um, said that during the uh, since the start of the pandemic. And what has come out time and time again from the report is just this importance of being supported with regards to their mental health. Um, and I think people also want clarity over the boundaries that have been blurred since working from home at the start of the pandemic. Um, and, and a recent poll actually in the UK saw that 66% of British um, home workers have said they, they might support having legal guidelines uh, over when they can be contacted and when they can disconnect from work, whether hybrid or remote. And that is so interesting. Um, but I want to come back to this point around trust. You know, trust is so important. And we've seen that um, over and over again with our findings in that People value trust more than anything when they're working, working remotely, uh, and that's trust from the employers. And at the start of the pandemic, employers were forced to trust their staff to work from home almost overnight. And research has found that, that trust is the most consistent feature of high-performing teams. Um, and communicating decisions clearly and empathetically goes hand in hand with trust. And without trust and empowerment, I think productive hybrid work would not be possible. And in our blueprint recommendation, we do say... Uh, to conclude that, that number one is that trust between employers and employees is absolutely critical for any future hybrid working model. God, that's so interesting about the right to disconnect. I'd not heard of that. Yeah. Sounds like something that is needed. Because I guess what's really interesting about this is 
how we get people to take this more seriously when our productivity has never been higher. Because if you're looking at the productivity, there might be companies thinking, well, we don't need to do anything. But actually, that's not sustainable. For sure. Um, and we don't want to get into that full sense of security because productivity, as you say, and wasn't affected by the lockdown. And it's not just our report, but various reports that, that say that. And I think, you know, employees can be working harder from home, home in terms of time spent, but that might not be the most sustainable way of working if they're burning out. Um, and I think real productivity gains will come from a, from a healthy hybrid way of working and, um, and being managed in a more inclusive way that, that boosts positive well-being behaviors and, and physical activity is a great example of this there's also going to be a shift in what people are looking for in their in their next job um, our report said that 85 percent of home workers suggested that their employer taking employee health and well-being seriously was absolutely fundamental to their future career prospects um, and if they're overworked employees will start to churn um, and i think this shows that norms have shifted beyond a tipping point um, through the pan- pandemic and that there will be greater pressure on organisations, all organisations, to really embed and sustain behavioural change towards a healthier way of, of working. Do you feel optimistic then, just in general, about the future? Because I know the report, it does concentrate on the th- on the challenges and the things we need to improve on, as well as some really uplifting stuff. Because I feel that th- this whole thing is basically a mindset shift from that productivity isn't shouldn't even be the goal. We're not machines. We're people and human beings who want a life that's good from all angles? Well, I do feel positive about it, actually, but only if it's carried out and executed in, in the right way. Um, and we, we, we talked about at outset some of our lessons um, that, uh, out, that came from the blueprint around importance of physical activity, mental health, productivity, and then um, what we call workplace inequalities. Um, and by workplace inequalities, what we mean is the more painful effects of lockdown are not evenly distributed amongst um, home workers. Um, females, uh, young people and BAME groups have all suffered disproportionately. Um, and the analysis actually found that 31% of women home workers have struggled to main- maintain concentration. And that figure is only 22% uh, on men. So positive, uh, but cautiously. Um, and I think it's now critical that we look at some of the, the, the blueprint recommendations in terms of how to hybrid, um, creating these inclusive productivity gains, ensuring that organisations should trust their employees with, with flexibility over their time and, you know, and assess their performance, like I said, perhaps based on, on outcomes, not hours. And I think also critically nurturing a healthy and happy workforce is fundamental and organisations need to invest significantly financially um, in their employees' workplaces. And hopefully this report and the healthy hybrid as a blueprint for business will will give employers and employees a, a really good guide in terms of some of the optimal practices moving forward. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing that. And I know that restrictions are lifting now as we're recording, and it does feel like things are shifting again. So hopefully, we're looking at a positive future ahead. Hopefully, um, but I'll leave the link to the report in the show notes for anyone listening to go and read it. It's really interesting, and I learned a lot from it. So. Thank you for the work you're doing and for coming on. Thank you so much, Emma.